Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie. Hi guys, welcome to the next edition of the Better Sign Shop Podcast. I've got my friend and colleague Peter Karunas, the Sign Shop Yoda with me. Hey Pete. What's up everybody? What's going on, Brian? How you doing? And missing today is Mike, the Sign Burrito Riley. Yeah. Having technical Gone. difficulties. Apparently Mike uh, lives in like the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Nothing works. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no apps. There's no microphone. There's no cameras. It's just not there. All right. What's the update with you, Pete? How's how are things, my man? Very busy on a lot of fronts. We just completed a couple of projects on the consulting side, working on some really great new projects with some new clients on programming some products in their Shopbox accounts. My sign shop is busy pumping out estimates. I actually got in the bucket truck last week, which was nice. I haven't done that in a little bit. Uh, so, no, listen, my installation days are behind me. I'm not, at, oh, I shouldn't say they're behind me. I am not the skilled installer by any chance, but definitely training somebody on like safety procedures on, on the bucket, how to stay safe, how to use it how to operate it efficiently. Obviously with the prices of gas these days, I don't like wasting that kind of money. So just training them on best practices on how to use the truck. Got a, met a couple of new people this week, a couple of new vendors I'm really excited about implementing in my team, in my system. And they'll be coming out here, hopefully next week, I think they're going to come out here and meet my team and supply us with a whole buttload of samples and really cool new things that uh, we can get introduced nice. to in our market. I'm really excited. Are you going to tease everybody about it? I'll Trade let you know after. I'll let you know after I, uh, I validate it. I got, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but we'll see. We'll see. I've seen nice. really cool promises before. <laughs> Having a wheel. What's yeah. going on in your world? Our middle daughter started pre-K this week. So. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Like school started like for almost everybody these past weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was really concerned. I thought, okay, I'm going to get a call from the principal. Like, Hey, you've got to come get her. She's either a screaming and crying uncontrollably, or it be as being very mean and just knock somebody out or something like that. But she loves it, man. So I'm super proud of her. We shoved her out of the van on Tuesday morning. Her first day, <laughs> she kind of was nervous about it. You could tell that look in her face. She was like, ah, I don't know. I want to can you guys walk me in? We're like, nope, that's not how this works. You get out, that nice lady over there will walk you in. So th this is, this was her first day? This was her first day? You're yeah, her first day. Yeah. And you've gone through this how many other times? Just once before? I've never gone through this, and I think about it. I probably won't be going through it for a couple of years, but I think about it every day, how I'm going to react when that happens, whether that school bus comes. <laughs> Or whether I have to drop it off at school and I'm going to deal with like the terror of crying. I might be crying. I'm probably going to cry. I think it'll be like the hardest day I need to take off of like work for a week because I, of it. Yeah, it's definitely a mental health day. Yeah. I, I, the first time around, I was definitely like, I, I, there were tears in my, I don't know if I would call it like bawling and squalling or anything like that, but definitely shed a couple of tears. But yeah, this time around, I still felt all those emotions, but my wife is a, a little more emotional than I am at times. So she definitely bawled her eyes out, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a tough day, but a proud moment as well. The other stuff kind of pales in comparison to that, but yeah, we've been working on the platform a bit. We made some progress there. So excited to have yeah, man, throw the news out there about the sign pricing course and the rest of it soon. You're like, I'm, you're like a brainiac when it comes to this sort of thing. You keep updating us with like screenshots of what it looks like. And I got to tell you, you have come up with some really great ideas and things that I couldn't even think of. And just stemming from a couple of conversations that you and I've had over the past few weeks, like you, what you've done with that platform is just 
it's greatness. It's greatness. This industry is going to need it. I'm not call. I'm dancing around calling you a guru. Yeah. Well, listen. If you guys don't know what we're talking about right now, that's okay. You will find out soon enough. What this soon enough? What this platform that we're talking about is all about. We're going to be. We're going to put the the finishing touches on it here up in the upcoming days, or I should say, Brian's going to put the finishing touches on it because I have not the slightest idea how he does what he does, but it looks great. It functions fantastically. And there will be a lot of really compelling resources that we have talked about here on, on some of these podcasts and some of our mastermind calls. And these resources are just going to be readily available for you to use because, and like I said, I may have said this on another call, nobody is doing what we're doing. Nobody is even coming close to doing what we are going to do for sign shop owners. It is something I, up, my man. That's really good. excited about up to you. <laughs> well, I think I think you got some of the best minds in the business in this mastermind. A lot of great people have gotten some good feedback. And hey, if you want to make a suggestion, I saw a suggestion here in one of the comments. But if you want to make a suggestion, you can do so. Just get us up, hit us up on the Facebook chat. Tell us what you'd like to see, and we'll throw it into the pipeline. Maybe we'll get it edited. So I guess we should probably actually get into the topic today. Uh, so what do we got today? It, we've got a couple of guests actually joining us from Hilltop Signs and Graphics. Mike Davis and Scott Dean, they're going to be on in just a little bit. We're going to have those guys on for a conversation about their shop. They but, got a really great story. They got a really great story. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like the story, man. I look forward to chatting with those guys. So the topic, we've talked about this on one of our other mastermind calls recently, is the looming recession or the inflation monster. I think the code name we gave this one was surviving the next shop apocalypse. Is COVID classified as a recession? Well, I don't know. Most people do. They use the term very loosely. I mean, it, I call it the shutdown. What that, that means, shut down. what yeah. that means to somebody, it's different for everybody, but I know certain shops stayed open, certain shops never closed. So for some shops, it was just a matter of like mine, just a matter of figuring out a way to not be stubborn and pivot. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah, read some headlines off to you because I was researching this one. These are like some of the top stories right now. Worse is yet to come. Economist Stephen <laughs> Roach says U.S. needs a miracle to avoid the recession. Steve Hankey says we're going to have a whopper of a recession. I don't know like why that was in quotes. We're going to have lots of Burger King. 72% of economists say we're going to have a recession in 2023. <laughs> so you read some of these headlines, it's all doom and gloom. Whether that is fact or not or whether it comes to fruition I, we obviously can't give that prediction but i when think you're oh, go when ahead. you're researching when you're researching those topics do you see anything that's positive do you see anything that says there's not going to be a recession in 2023 stop listening to the hocus pocus stop listening to the bs is there any of that let's see well here's one nobel prize winning economist says he doesn't see anything that resembles a recession in the u.s so you know, I, I, there is no consensus on this, but you talk to a lot of people. Everybody is obviously concerned about inflation, which is at 8.5% here in the U.S. Yeah. For the average guy that gets a 3% raise every year, that's obviously not even keeping pace with that. So materials are going up. Prices for everything are going up. It's My kids drink like six gallons of milk a week. So milk is like outrageous right now. I feel like a... 85 year old man, gay back in the day. Like the milkman used to come to the door and it used to be a dollar 15 a bottle. Now it's two dollars and 15 cents a bottle. Guess That's hallway robbery. <laughs> That's exactly what I feel like. But yeah, obviously, this is this has come up a lot in our mastermind group. It's come up with some of the other posts I've seen on the sign shop groups. Are we entering a recession? Are we already in a recession? What do we do about the crazy inflation? If we do enter a recession, how can we protect our shop? So that's the topic today. Well, let me 
let me ask well, you. I, I, go ahead. Ask I, I got a bold opening statement. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, around uh, around this entire theory. Are we in a recession now or is one coming soon? Yeah. Listen, I think that I'm not an economist. I have money in the market, money in real estate, and doesn't matter what channel you turn on, you're going to get different information. Are we heading into a recession? There are a lot of differences between today's economic climate and our last recessions in our last economic climate. It's, there are a lot of differences in technology. There are things that we can do today that we were not doing in 2007, 2008, late into 2009. The ability of being able to work remotely was a was not even a thought that long ago. So uh, do I think that certain markets are going to get affected by what's going on or have been affected by what's going on? Certain ind industries being affected? I think the short answer is yes, and but I'm not going to put the hammer down. Yes, we're going into a recession <laughs> or... You uh, yeah, shut your shops down, people. No, that's not where I'm going. I think the that I want you to understand is that no matter what it's called, a crisis, a inflation, we're going into inflation. What the hell does that even mean? You, you the president of the country just got on the Twitter like a week ago and said, "I'm are uh, uh, eliminating school debt." or whatever it was, $10,000 worth of student loan debt. I was like, hell yeah, go team. I didn't care who's in office, but I was like, that's if that's something that affects the climate, again, I the economy, I don't know what the long-term ramifications are. I'm a sign shop owner, man. I don't care what goes on in those rooms with all those politicians and people that make this official. All I want to know is what does my daily routine look like when this does happen? And for a lot of us that have that technician mindset or even a manager's mindset or an owner's mindset, that is a very different for everyone involved. Does your, do your employees need to have a conversation? Do you need to have a conversation with your employees ex expecting them to be flexible with time off to work around some of these hard costs that you're going to be expecting? Are the owners going to have to look at manufacturing things themselves rather than outsourcing, giving away more margin because wholesale rates have increased? There's a lot to unpack about how this can affect a sign shop owner. Again, specific to this channel, this station here, we're talking about sign shop owners, print shop owners alike. We want you to have a better sign shop. That is the name of the show. We want you to have a better sign shop. So in other words, how does that happen? What does that look like? And honestly, that's where the question starts. That's where this whole thing starts is if somebody gets on the TV today and declares the United States is in a recession, I don't know who that would be, but if somebody of high stature gets on whatever news channel you watch and says, guess what, everybody, we're in a recession, be prepared to shut down your businesses. How are you going to pivot? And that's going to be the topic of today. I hope we're going to hear how this existing sign shop owner and his, his partners here were able to pivot during the last crisis, which was COVID when everybody else shut down. What did they do? I'm really eager to hear their story again and kind of introduce what they did to you guys out there. Yeah. <clears throat> well said, man. You weren't lying about the great intro. I like it. If we hearken back to the great shutdown of COVID, what were some of the things that you guys experienced? What were some of the changes that you guys had to make in your shop, Pete? Well, I did have to lay some people off. That is, that was that was a, a a detriment to what had happened. Certain employees did not come back. They wanted to stay home. They wanted unemployment. You can't. You're not going to be able to solve everybody's problems, but some people just would have rather stayed home. So I lost some employees. I kept the key ones, which was a vital piece for me. I never had to dip into any type of reserve account because we were able to keep things going, but just under a different type of strategy. We were no longer doing business science. And I say that with 
I never thought I'd honestly ever say that. A sign shop where I never did signs for businesses. It was nonstop in droves, lawn signs and birthday signs and graduation signs and high school signs because you couldn't attend a high school or college graduation. So parents were thinking of ways to celebrate the occasion, the monumental occasion of graduating. So there was a lot of that. And I just happened, I, I, I don't know if it's lightning in a bottle. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was just luck, but whatever it was, I happened to be in a very heavily saturated market where there's tons of schools, there's tons of kids, there's tons of people living in several towns in five mi- within a five mile diameter. I'm go- I have millions of people that live in these towns. So I was very fortunate, especially when you could see, oh, that kid just got a sign. Now this neighbor got one. And then that neighbor got one. How it steamrolled mm-hmm. or showed yeah, the- kind of after that. Social proof. Yeah. And we put up one, I've never did anything like this where I was taking orders through Facebook and through Instagram. I had never, that's not my strategy. That's not our shop's target market, but this is what we were living off of. I had some of the best sales months doing this and I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm not afraid to admit it. It's 70, $80,000 a month in corrugated plastic signs. I mean, I mean. We were stockpiling H stakes and order every, it seemed every hour we were calling suppliers from, and this is, this was again, being resourceful. You have to, you're a local guy. You can't just rely on the local guy anymore. I was ordering things from Canada, Colorado. I live in New York. (laughs) Ah, Yeah. Send me that sheet of Coraplast for $24 a sheet. I don't care. Get it over here because I'm making... I got it because, well, not because I cared about profits at that point. I, I mean, we were making profits. I mean, come on, it's ink, vinyl, and corrugated plastic. We were killing it, but I didn't care. I got to keep the, I got to keep the doors open. The, the, making a sale, running. Yeah. making a sale was more important than price costing materials. Like, oh yeah, eight steaks are now six dollars a steak because we're low on supply. Well, I was like. Keep it coming. Here's my credit card. You want to live off of your You want my money? Here's my money. And saying, okay, that's a pivot point. Now, we don't do that anymore. I think that wave is over or has been over for quite some time. But, you know, you ask me a specific question. This is what our shop turned into. We morphed. I love that word. We morphed into a shop that was literally pumping out fast signs like, Every 15 minutes, there was a sign coming out the printer. And that's not how it is normally. That's not how it was. That's not how it is. That's not how it was. It's not ever. It's just this time period where, how I don't remember how long it was, but we were doing everything we could to keep the lights on. And all my key employees, my project managers, my installers, my salespeople, guess what they all did? They learned how to use a Coro cutter. They learned how to become efficient and pump it. They became delivery men. They became, and that was actually like a bonding experience. Like uh, we were in the trenches. The owners were involved. I was involved. I had nothing else going on. Everything was shut down. So why not? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come. I'll spend some, I'll spend the day with you guys. I used a coral cutter and mom, I don't have one of those Corex machines. I used to and not anymore. It would have made my life e- easier. Colex machines rather. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, listen, I mean, we morphed into a shop where we built a better and stronger team coming out of COVID. I think we are now like we think about it a lot. Hey, remember? Oh my God, that was crazy. When we did 22 boards in 15 minutes, like that was insane. That was insane. That time period. And the, we call it the box method and what we used to do to pump these things out. We had delivery zones and we were running cars with little birthday <laughs> signs on it. And I mean, we don't do that now, but what we turned ourselves into to survive is what you have to do going into, you have to actually, well, I'm not saying you have to, it's, it's more of a philosophy. If this does happen again, if COVID-22 comes out, okay. And if this happens again, hist- history has to teach you something. So what are you going to do? And I hope that is going to pivot, not necessarily shut down. And I know I would pivot again and we would survive. Lesson number one.
you got to be flexible in a recession or crisis or crazy environment. Well said, man. That's, I didn't know the extent of the banners and corrugated sides that you guys were doing, but that's, yeah. <clears throat> I think a lot of people would get hung up on, hey, that's not what we do. And certainly, as you mentioned, that's not what you did, but what you had to do. And yeah, you got through it, came out the other side better. So, yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah. Shall we bring on our guests, Mike and Scott? Let's do it. Bring them in. All right. All right, guys, so we are joined by our guests, Mike Davis and Scott Dean of Hilltop Signs and Graphics out of Maryland, right? What part of Maryland? Southern Maryland. It's uh, Southern Maryland. Hollywood, Maryland. So we're about 45 minutes to an hour south of D.C. So we're uh, right in that sweet spot right around D.C. Excellent. You get a lot of you got- do you get a lot of customers in that triangle <laughs> there, that like uh, that Washington, Virginia, Maryland market? You get a lot of we going do. to different states? Yeah. We do. We do. We actually, we service a pretty wide section of the East Coast. Well, of the Northeast, I should say. Pretty much the whole Mid-Atlantic region we will travel to. As long as the customer's budgets allow for it and the guys want to travel, we go. What's that like working with like different states and counties sign codes? Like that's a lot to manage just in one state. You guys get, you can get a customer from DC and it'd be like a half an hour from you. What's that? I'll let Scott right in on that one. He handles a lot more of the uh, permit stuff and he'll explain that part of it. it, Serendipity, I guess we, we literally just got out of a meeting with me and Mike, our two permit people that do permits like all the time. And the amount of permits we do and the amount of time it takes for them to do it is just ridiculous. And some of the stuff that they have to do is not even I don't even understand it. You know, it's the bureaucracy and the, it's just a simple story. We have a big Aldi we're doing a sign for, and we've filed all the permits and we went on a site visit yesterday and it wasn't the correct address. So we have to start from scratch and it's been a two month problem (laughs) pushing paperwork. And then we find this isn't the address that's on your plans. And they're like, yeah, this is our address. And we're like, well, that's not what we filed. So that. And the bigger counties in Northern Virginia, DC, not so much the local smaller counties in Maryland, those, those are just a bureaucracy personified. That is, it's ridiculous. I imagine that's, I imagine whether you guys do that yourself or whether you outsource that, that's gotta be a challenging piece just from an SOP perspective, like you, what information you have to gather and things like that. So I imagine that's what I thought of when you guys said Maryland and like you're in that DC area. I'm like, thank God, they got, they could probably do crazy amount of paperwork that might make my life like explode, like stressful, like stressed to the nth degree, just in that one factor right there. And, and we got, fighting the DC traffic. <laughs> well, well, I tell you to be, and it's not, and to try to explain that to a customer is it's hard to get through that. Okay. Our permit fee is what our permit fee. And they're like, that seems ridiculous. And then it, then we always offer the option. You can file it yourself. And we said yeah. this in the meeting today. Every single one of them always come back saying, no way you guys got it. <laughs> but you talk, you talk to one permit expedite or one permit technician, their answer is different than this permanent technician. It's, it's, there's no standard format for any county or within the county. It's usually a one-off. It's always different. Always different. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. Always different. So that's what makes it so stressful is because it's always different, right? Right. So, so let's back up for just a minute and kind of get an overview of your shop. Can one of you guys kind of tell the listeners out there, what is Hilltop Signs and Graphics? Kind of what segments do you guys serve? What type of products do you produce? I'll let Mike do that. Sure. Sure. I can cover that. So we are Hilltop Signs and Graphics. We are what we would consider, I guess, a full service sign and graphics company, meaning we do pretty much every segment that the industry has to offer. We offer everything from little yard signs and banners to fabricated pylons, channel letters, vehicle wraps, vehicle lettering, striping, pop-up displays, pretty much you name it. If it is in the sign and or graphics realm, we touch it. That includes service work. One thing that makes us a little bit unique in our region, not necessarily unique to the industry, but unique to our region is that we handle the entire thing start to finish. 
in-house. So we design, we fabricate or farm out the fabrication to our wholesalers, and then we install it, give you a warranty on the installation, and we service it after the fact. So we have a ton of competitors in our region, just like I'm sure most other shops do, but not everybody does all of it. They might do the fabrication and the installation, but they're like, yeah, we don't really have the graphic designers on staff. We can't do your branding for you. We can't handle those pieces and parts. Get something designed and then bring me a drawing and we'll build something for you. Well, that was one thing that when I bought the company from my parents that I said, you know what, we're going to do the whole thing start to finish. And that's really kind of set us apart in our region. Yeah. How was that buying the business from your parents? Was that a smooth transaction? Was that a lot of, no, we don't want to sell it to you. We want to sell it to somebody else. So what was that freaking track like there? So I had already been running and trying to, trying to take over the company essentially for about two years. And this was 2009, 2010. So it was when the economy was kind of in the tank and we were struggling to stay afloat, struggling to get paid, had all these issues. And I had already been working for two years to kind of turn things around and keep us rolling. We were finally coming out of it. Reputation was coming back. Vendors were getting paid. Cash flow was starting to roll. And my mom was here with me every single day working. It was her company. And she came in one day and she said, I'm done. She said, either you buy it or somebody else will. And she walked out the back door, got in her car and she left it. <laughs> she had, I love that. She had enough. She, had she enough. just had enough. Yep. The stress got to her. Mike, well, tell me, what was the shop like back then? What was it like to be in that shop? What were you guys doing back then in terms of product? So it was a very different company back then. So we were not Hilltop Signs and Graphics at that time. We were Hilltop Graphics and Gifts. So we were a, we were a graphics and gift company and we did, we still did our, uh, our vehicle graphics. We still did wraps, lettering, striping. We still did coroplast signage. We still did pylon panels and that type of thing. But we also offered die sub based gifts. So t-shirts, mouse pads, coffee mugs, Christmas ornaments, all kinds of different stuff. And when I bought the company. I literally had already spent two years shifting us into new stuff like fabricated signage, LED retrofits, stuff. We didn't, it was pretty much two employees. It was me and my mom. So I had to do things that I could handle with pretty much myself and a couple buddies in evenings and weekends in terms of installs. So the scale of things was still relatively small back then, but I started the shift of us going in that commercial direction. Very nice. When I purchased the company, changed the name, Hilltop Signs and Graphics, which is what we are now. And all of those gift items that I mentioned earlier, pretty much overnight, they were no longer offered. <laughs> you got to sell a lot of coffee mugs to make a million dollars. I know that the ad specialty market in our industry, I know that there are a lot of shops that die sub gifts and small items and small orders and stuff like that. But the thing that I found when I started looking at it is I was like, man, I could do one tenant panel in a pylon and say it's a $450 order at 35 to 40% margin. Plus I charge for install. And let's say the profit on that piece is, I don't know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, something like that. Or I could do one coffee mug who I charge $15 retail for. And I think I'm making about three bucks <laughs> and it probably takes about the same amount of time to make <laughs> that tenant panel as it did that coffee mug. And so once I did the math on that, it was like the dollars and cents was obvious. It was like the gift items just ain't where it's at unless somebody's ordering 300 up. And even then, when I started looking at the bigger stuff, like doing channel letters and some of the other larger fabricated pieces that we do now, man, I could make three, four grand on a piece that I never touch or make 300 bucks on a set of mugs that I have to spend three days doing. Yeah. And it's it just, yeah. it was, it was very obvious what direction we were going to head. The writing was on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, so Mike, I got a real, for me, this is the million dollar question that I have for you. Just listening to your story so far, we've in this show and prior episodes, and even in our mastermind group, we talk a lot about the mindset of an owner and where they come from. There's a lot of talk and a lot of discussion between a lot of us get in this business because we did, we want, we were sick and working for the man and we just thought we could do it better ourselves. You came into this as an, as a technician, as an operations manager with your mom in in a former company of Hilltop Graphics and Gifts, right? And then what's it been like for you? And I don't, I'm not talking about it from a, what you can do with your hands perspective, but like now you're a business owner, right? And if you didn't do a single installation or a single retrofit, what's it been like for you to learn how to run your books or running a business or marketing budgets and planning. What's that been like from a technician mindset to a shift where now you are an entrepreneur, now you are a business? What's that been like for you? It's been a long road. It's been, it's been a, a very long road. A lot of making mistakes, a lot of spending way too many hours trying to avoid being the entrepreneur and stay in that technician role. And it's really been the last... I'd say two to three years where I don't really go on trucks very much. I don't really spend too much time in the field. I do invest. I even invest a lot of my time in mastermind groups that I'm a member of in personal development stuff that I know will help my ability to lead and my ability to make the company better. But when I first came on board, I know and, and bought one of the first things I took a business class that was for entrepreneurs that was run by our local small business development branch of our local government. And they offered it for free. It was a grant-based thing. And I said, hey, why not? I'll take it. And one of the biggest things that they preached in this course, and this was, I don't know, a year or two after I had taken over things, was figure out what you're good at and hire for what you're not. And so one of the first things that I did when I bought the company is that I knew that keep, keeping the book straight was not a strength of mine. And it just was not. And I knew that it wasn't a strength of my parents. And I knew that it plagued us in the past. So that was one of the first things I did was I said, I need an accountant and I need a bookkeeper and it's going to cost me money right off the jump. But if I do that correctly, I won't have to ever worry about it. And so that was one of the first things I did, as well as like a smart you know, move. Yeah, well, I mean, we preach that a hundred times to everybody here. Yeah. Stop trying to do the finances yourself. Hire somebody that <laughs> deals in numbers all day and, and get them to straighten you out. Absolutely. And you know something? It's not. It's a very com. It's very com. It's very common to see that first person is the bookkeeper because when people think of business, they think of numbers. They think of profit and loss statements. Oh my God, these financial statements, who's going to manage all that? So it's very common to see what you did being like one of the first things you've done. It was one of the first things I've done. I could do this. Get out of here. I could do this right. and I could do this a little bit cheaper than keeping you around. That that There's a lot of us, there's a lot of us that listen to this podcast that have that same mindset that you have there, Mike. And that's one of the cool things about this business is that you can get in from many different entry points. You happen to be a, a family man, a family-owned business, right? And you had that door for you. Not a lot of us have that. So if you were an employee, that you were a graphic designer, and I, I could do this better than anybody. I could do this. I'm going to start my own place. And then they have to learn how to become a business owner. And they fan, like you said, they do fail more often. So thank you so much for sharing your story there. I'd like to kind of bring in Scott here. Scott, why don't you like introduce yourself and how you got involved in here in, in Hilltop? So like we had talked about, I went to college, uh, I had an economics degree and I graduated, went to work for the government as a business financial manager, worked for the government for about 14 years and got really tired of it. And one day saw an ad for sign shop and didn't know a thing about signs or installing signs. So I went to work for Mike as an installer. And that's, that was seven, seven, almost eight years ago. So we've grown together from a three-person shop to a 14, 15-person shop. My struggle with Mike is to keep him off the floor, keep him out of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's why when he was telling that story, I was like, it's absolutely right. 
Wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on a second here, Scott. Hold on. I got two questions for you before you go on. The first is you said that you were in finance for the government. Oh, business financial manager. Yeah. Business financial manager. Are you doing the books for the business now? Are you that bookkeeper that he was talking about? No way. No. 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 So you don't touch the books. I don't. I, well, I the only way I touch the books is saying, Mike, we need some profit and loss statements. Can we get those? Can okay. we start being okay. <laughs> so we can make decisions based on numbers and not just what we feel during the morning? Yeah. But I, I so think your background, your background has a lot of really great components when it works with the government, but you had no sign shop installation experience at all, huh? None at all. So what's well, that? What was that like when you met Mike? And my, I guess this is a question for Mike. Like Mike specifically, what made you hire Scott? Go ahead and tell the story, Mike. <laughs> so How, wh we, why would you hire somebody with no experience that came from a finance background to install your signs? Oh, we hire people with no experience all the time, all the time, because in, in our region, we really don't have a ton of applicants that are like, oh yeah, I used to work for so-and-so signs. There is not that cool of applicants. So especially back then when I hired Scott. What I was looking for was somebody who was physically able, somebody who had a good can-do attitude, and I was honest. I was like, look, some days really suck in this industry. Like, we work in the elements. Like, we work at heights. Like, we work in the mud. We work in the snow. We work in the rain. It's hot. It's cold. Like, sometimes stuff doesn't go together like it's supposed to. Sometimes stuff breaks. Like, it's, that's just how it is. The most important thing is that we keep a positive attitude. And I will say, Scott and I have been on some really rough job sites. And there has only been a handful that have completely kicked their butts. And we're just like, look, I really hate this job as much as you do, but we can't go home until it's done. So we either just freaking get it together and get it done or else. But when I hired Scott, he had a good attitude. He was willing to come on and dig in and do the job. And within the first week, I mean, there was nothing that I proposed to have him go to do that he wasn't like, yeah, I've never done that before, but I'll figure it out. And <laughs> that attitude nice. is way more valuable than somebody coming on board and saying, yeah, I've been hanging signs for three years. Yeah, I would, I would rather 10 more Scots, honestly. I would rather 10 more Scots that come on with no sign experience, don't even know what a channel letter or a push-through letter is. That's completely fine. Because I can teach you that stuff. What I can't teach you is the positive mental attitude and the grit and the willingness to get through a hard job and to problem solve. Those things are very tough to find. And I can and what, rest. And what made me stay was, I'm not going to lie, I was making great money with the government, but what made me stay was that's the macro level. That's humongous dollars. And then to come to a small business and see how a young man took a chance and bought a business. And I said, I gotta, I would love to help this guy grow this business. And he's always given me the opportunity to put my two cents in and kind of steer him where my experience, because there's 20, 22 year difference between Mike and my age. So I have a lot of lifelong experience, but he has a lot of small business experience. And I think those two mesh well together. And he, I enjoyed it. I like being outside. I like the challenge. I know how to use YouTube. I could figure out how to hang channel letters and wire signs. And it was good. Sign business is one of its best days. It's really fun. And a lot of cool things happen. So on its worst day, why we're this, it is hot and sweating. Yeah, hot and <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I think one of the things that you said, Mike, is like the positive attitude is huge. We talk a lot in some of our, in our mastermind group and our little Facebook community that we've got set up about how hard it is to hire. And lots of people want to hire somebody with experience, but you know, depending on your market, like you're just not going to find it. So a hundred percent agree with what you said there. And that's a, a really important part, something I want to drive home for all the listeners out there. So let's kind of steer this back towards the pending shop apocalypse or recession. Peter and I were talking about the, uh, the great shutdown during COVID. We were struggling to come up with what word we were going to use for it, whether it was a recession or a shutdown or whatever. You guys have a very unique story there. 
during the recession. Why don't you guys share that with the listeners? Right. So I'll start and then I'll let Scott kind of kind of come in as well. We all, I guess it was probably late February, early March 2020. We started hearing whispers about stuff. I can remember we were on a job right down the street and it was a day or two before lockdown and we were working on a wallpaper mural. It was fighting us hard. We're all in a really tight, confined space, lots of hands, everybody in really close proximity. Um, and then I feel like it was that evening, all these reports came out, started talking about lockdown within 48 hours, all this kind of stuff. And we're like, well, dang, we were all in each other's face today, man. Well, <laughs> hopefully nobody's sick because we all got it if that's the case. And then I think it was probably, like I said, about 48 hours later that quarantine came down. Everybody said it was going to be two weeks, all this, that, and the other. And I'm not going to lie. I went into full-on panic mode. I mean, I can remember Scott and I had a conversation about it, and we were like, we just got to wait. We just got to wait and see what happens. We try to keep pushing on as best we possibly can. But we're like, let's just see what the next couple of days brings. And I can remember going home and making dinner for my family. And literally inside, I was freaking the F out. I went for a walk. I called my parents. And I'm just like, and it was, it was pouring down rain and I walked for probably two miles. I talked to them on the phone and I'm just like, I literally don't know what the heck I'm going to do. Um, I think it was that day as well. We had a big contract we had just been awarded. It was like a hundred and, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand dollar music. Biggest one we've ever done. It was going to be the biggest contract we had ever done. And it was like the perfect job for a signing graphics company. Like it was, it had creative elements in it. We were going to be able to fabricate some cool stuff. There were digital signage elements, wallpaper murals, pretty much it's those juices flowing. Everything we offer, we were going to be able to use on this project and we were going to have a little bit of creative control and engineering control for some of these exhibits yeah. as well. So we were super jazzed up about it. Well, that had just gotten canceled that afternoon and they had no idea when it was going to come back, if it was going to come back. So... I was freaking out. I got off that call with my parents. I went back home, didn't sleep much, got to the shop the next day, and I pretty much leveled with Scott. I was like, dude, I am freaking out. I don't even know what to do. A lot of my employees were like, I got elderly parents. I got this. My wife's pregnant. Yada. And I had employees literally say, I'm going to stay home. So I had, and then we had a couple other clients that canceled work that next day as well. It was within a couple of days, we had almost like 200 grand worth of work canceled and employees dropping like flies. So I went to Scott freaking the F out. And, and Scott's still your installer at this time? No, 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 no. He is essentially my ops manager, which is the role he is still okay. in. So he was running the show at that point. But I went to him and I was like, dude, I'm freaking out. I don't even know what the heck we should do with the amount of work that just got canceled and the fact that we got no employees. And Scott, you can come in and tell them exactly what you told me and what we did. <laughs> so I told Mike and I had no, no experience running anything or even figuring out how we were going to keep everybody employed. The most part, keep Mike employed because it's his business. So we sat here in my office. And we have whiteboards. We whiteboard everything. We literally went to the whiteboard and I said, this is all we can do. We can do seven day chunks and figure out how we're going to survive for seven days. We wrote seven, seven days and we wrote, we need to do this. Payroll is coming here. We need at least this much amount of money in the bank. We have these jobs we can do from the shop. We have these employees that did, we did seven, 14, 21, 30, 45, 60. And we just kept on doing that every week to pass by. We'd survive another week. We have a saying in the shop, we're here now. So it doesn't do us any good to freak out. We might as well figure it out. And me and Mike, and it's a running joke between us, but we've always said, we're going to run this shop until it implodes or we just blow up and be super successful or it's in the ground, but we're going down with the ship. And so basically that was our mantra is like, it doesn't matter if we're going to shut down, we're going to shut down, but we might as well go down swinging and we might as well 
try to keep everybody who wants to stay employed, employed. And then things started to break our way for a few months. The governor of Maryland said, hey, sign shops are essential employees. We got letters. We could still do jobs. We had a core group of people that said, I want to work and make money. And we, we went to our employees and said, whoever wants to stay home, you voluntarily, we're going to lay you off and you can go do what you need to do until you feel safe and you can come back. Right. And through that, it just, we just kept chunking along week after week after week until we had another catastrophe and Mike can pick it up there. So <laughs> yeah. we thought we were surviving in it. <laughs> well, and I will touch on too, we were, we were very fortunate. And I think everybody was kind of fortunate that, and it's not often that I applaud government programs, but I will say the Paycheck Protection Program saved our butts. I mean, we applied for that and that literally bought us it added a couple weeks to that crisis plan. It bought us a couple weeks of being able to move things around and keep people on payroll and not have to lay them off and keep them working and be able to reach out to other customers and market a little bit different and learn about, you know, about PPE, learn about sneeze guards and learn about all these other alternative things that we could do, all these other decals and signs and mobile order pickup stuff and just all these other things that help to pay the bills. And we shit, we, we pivoted really fast. And, but I will say that paycheck protection program bought us time. It bought us a couple weeks to adjust. And as soon as we figured out, Hey, we can make sneeze cards. Hey, we can make caution decals and mobile order pickup signs and all these other things. And we reached out to all of our customers and offered all these different things and all these different products to them. And we even like, we offered quicker turnaround times. We said, look, we understand you guys need this stuff quick, fast, and in a hurry. So if you place an order, we guarantee you will have it in 24 hours. And so with all that stuff put together, it helped to dig us out a little bit. <clears throat> And what Scott was touching on, um, we started humming along pretty good. We had a couple big contracts. We had a couple of our customers that were also pivoting at the exact same point we were. So they were doing a lot of mobile order structures and it wasn't sign related stuff necessarily, but they were architectural structures that we were picking, transporting and installing all up and down the East Coast. So we had to travel to get paid, but we survived throughout that stuff starting to pick up and up starting to get a groove. We had a fire and that I literally woke up and it was almost the end of May, I guess. I think yeah. May 20th, May 22nd, somewhere in there. And I woke up, it was probably two 30 in the morning to Scott beating the crap out of my front door. <laughs> Cause like, and the other person at two thirty in the morning, I am passed out. Phone is on silent. I am zonked out and he's beating the crap out of my front door. I look out the front door, unlock my gun safe, literally pulling out a gun because somebody's beating the crap out of my front door and finally realize it's him. I open the door and he's dude, I've been trying to call you for half an hour. The shop caught on fire. Oh my God. And so. Things are humming along. You guys are getting some breathing room. You got that margin, like the PPP helped you yep. stay afloat. And then you're just like 2.30 in the morning, you got Scott's face staring at you. <laughs> yep. There's been a fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So I run and get dressed, hop in the truck and just haul as fast as I can to the shop, which is about 20 minutes away from my house. And I get there. And by the time I got there, Fire department was gone. Everything was out. But, uh, and I'm very thankful that the fire actually, in terms of fire damage from flame, was not that bad. They, uh, the fire department came in. They sliced open one of my bay doors that they didn't have to. They, they caused a little bit of damage they probably didn't need to, but they got everything out. Everything was all good there. But when I initially got there, everything was black. Everything was sooty in my one bay. I walked to the bay next door because we have adjoining spaces and looked like everything was covered in just kind of a light layer of soot. And I'm like, okay, everything's kind of dirty, but we should be able to clean this up, right? Like I immediately went into 
let's clean this mess up. Yeah, that's when, that's when other people started showing up because this was still very early in, in the morning. So by the time the sun started coming up, other people started showing up like the fire marshal, like insurance adjusters, <laughs> like mold remediation and cleanup guys. Other people started showing up because they heard about what happened. Like how? Yes. And man, you would, it was ridiculous. It would like, like moths to a flame. They all came out of the woodwork and it was explained to me because we had already been there a couple hours and we had already started to clean stuff up. Cause I was like, we got work to do, man. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like I got orders. We got stuff to do. Like I can't be, we got to roll. I sent some of my people who came into work out to get pump sprayers so we could clean stuff and we started rocking. Well, then it was quickly explained to me that, yeah, no, soot is extremely, extremely caustic and corrosive to everything that it touches. So uh, that means all of my tools, my printer, my cutter, my CNC, anything that was in that space and the air touched was immediately starting to rust. And it's pretty humid down here in Southern Maryland. We're surrounded on water, per, by water on pretty much all sides. So it's always humid here. Well, I picked up a Sawzall blade. It was probably nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. I picked up a Sawzall blade that it was brand new out of the package. We used it to cut one piece of lumber the day before because I was moving stuff around. And it already had a thick enough coat of rust on it that I could run my hand across it. And it was great. Oh my gosh. And I was like... And one of the remediation guys came up to me and he was explaining all these things to me. And he's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. He said, imagine that in every single piece of equipment you own, in every single tool that's in this shop, in all of your paper products, everything. Because everything you have in this shop has been affected by that. So, oh, man. So it, every, like, it, there's nothing that you could salvage. So luckily we were able to salvage some stuff. We had a electronics cleaning company that came in and were able to clean a lot of our electronics. They actually used CO2 that were, was hooked up to special guns and they actually blast the off of all the sensitive electronics. It's a really, really wild process to watch, but they were able to clean a lot of our tools and our electronics and stuff, but there was an overwhelming amount of stuff that had to just literally be thrown in the dumpster. Oh uh, man. So we, uh, we had to relocate for about three months and there is nothing available down here. Absolutely nothing to rent, nothing to go into. We actually lucked out right down the street from our shop. We found a warehouse that another company was occupying and it was just extra storage space. Well, they were able to clean some stuff out and make a temporary home for us. Very appreciative of those guys. We would have been way worse off if they hadn't agreed to rent to us like that. One downfall to that space, our industry, you have to have an internet connection, right? Email, artwork, sure. files, customer supplied stuff. Yeah, we had no internet for three months. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So you guys are running like off of iPhone 3G? Off, like yeah, off our phone. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. It was anytime we needed to download big files or stuff, we were running up the street, back to the shop where my internet was still running. So we were running back to the shop that was being rebuilt because everything had to be emptied out, put in storage or cleaned or thrown away while they rebuilt the whole shop. And uh, so we would run back, download files, and then run back to our temporary offices to actually work on everything. Um, so it how, was, did, how did you guys survive this? Man? It, it was the same. We had just had lessons learned from the COVID. Literally sat on another whiteboard say, Here's the first things we got to do in seven days. We need a space. We need to make sure in shorts, we need all these meetings we had to, instead of having the carpet bagger and the vultures, what do we really need to do? What is, and to, we could write a book on what you need to do with your sign shop to prevent from going through what we had to do is proper inventory. And you, and you should, yeah. We should. You need to take pictures of everything in your shop down to yep. dry erase markers and have it, this is my inventory, because we were guessing at stuff. We were guessing at what our inventory was, how much 
how many envelopes or how many, that's how, what detail they wanted yes. and all that. And to make sure your books are straight because your insurance is counting on your prior year and to give you money for when you were down. Yep. And what they didn't, what you don't know is you're probably better off staying down than trying to stay in bed for the short term. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and as, as contrary to <laughs> being an entrepreneur, as that is, because for me, it was like, no, we need to be back up now. Like any downtime is unacceptable. And what I learned is, no, we're going to be down for a while. And what, like Scott said, what we really learned was we probably should have just taken a step back and said, okay, we're going to need to be down completely hard down 30 days, a week, two weeks, mm-hmm. 30 days, whatever that, mm-hmm. that number would have been and just committed to that. Instead, like I tried to get us back up and running as fast as possible. I expedited getting new computers and this and putting this together and just dumped all this time and energy into trying to get us back. And I was like, I was fairly confident I could get us back to 75% capacity in terms of our operations. And I was lucky if I got us back to maybe 20 to 25% lucky on our best day. Uh, Jeez. And, and, and just to tie on, and the reason being is that most people who have the insurance that you're required, there's a clause in there that will pay your employees for the time that they are down. So when it came, uh, when it came to us to make the final adjustment, it, it was, it would have been smarter to let those guys take the break, let us get back to operating to where we can operate at 65 to 70%, not 20 and just be bleeding money which you never got back from the insurance company because you were technically operating. You were operating. So operating. Uh, (laughs) See, I never would have thought of that either. (laughs) That's a good lesson. (laughs) Definitely a good lesson. So just a couple of mm -hmm. closing thoughts here, guys, for our listeners out there. I'll ask this to both of you, Mike, you first. What, what, What advice would you give sign shop owners, new, old, what have you, with various different backgrounds, what would you do to advise them on how they can prepare for another type of crisis going in the future or that may happen in the future? I would say the one thing that we have done that I'm really proud of is we haven't pigeonholed ourselves into one specific market, into one specific type of customer. Like it's not, it's not a secret that most of us work with national sign companies. Most of us sub installs and producing graphics and signs and that type of thing. I know some shop owners that rely on the nationals for a ton of their business. And if the nationals were to dry up tomorrow, they would be in big trouble. And we are right next to Tuxedo River Naval Air Base. And I have some other local companies who they rely on that base for a significant source of their income. And I made it my goal when I bought the company that I wasn't going to be one of those guys that relied on one source of income. So I guess my biggest thing that I would say is that establish multiple markets that you serve. Don't just serve the nationals. Don't just serve your local construction guys. Don't just be the go-to guy who does the vehicle wraps for all the plumbing contractors in your region. Don't just pigeonhole yourself to one market. Diversify to multiple markets because when something slows down, something else will pick up. When one type of customer stops buying because there's an economic downturn, there will be another type of customer, if you were already serving them, that things are picking up for them for whatever reason. And if you're already having those contacts, you can easily pivot. You can easily make those adjustments with minimal effort. Great advice. Uh, what about you? Yeah, Scott? I love it. I guess from my operations point of view is I, my advice would be two things. Know your books and know your production and know your sales and what you have been doing prior to the sign apocalypse or what, whatever issue you're having. But you also probably should be looking out into the future. And I tell Mike all the time, I'm like, when we were talking about inflation, I'm like, I don't know if that's really going to affect us because our pricing has steadily increased, but we haven't got much pushback. But I think six, eight months from now, we'll probably be seeing less orders because 
people will be holding tighter to their money and all that. So my piece of advice is always look forward, but also know where you came from. I know that's kind of cliche, but I think it's important to know what your sales are, what your payroll is. So when those things happen, those dollar figures that you need to make that day or that week or that month to meet your payroll, because when it comes down to it, our main goal is to keep Mike paid and all his employees paid because that's what we do. That's why kind of we're in business is to make money. So that would be my piece of advice. I I love the framework that you guys had. That was like one of the big takeaways for me. Hey, when times are tough. Like I've got a whiteboard. I'm looking seven days ahead. Just get me through these seven days. And chances are, if I can make it through those seven days, the next seven days we'll make it through. It just keeps snowballing on that. So what does, what do you guys look like now? What's the future for you guys? So we have, we have moved into doing a lot more larger scale projects. And I think that's where we've made pretty significant investment. We actually hired a commercial project manager. And we had her on the books for probably 14 months before we had a single project. I mean, we just floated it on overhead. So we have made significant investments in the commercial sector to go after that segment, to not have to rely on the national companies, to not have to rely on just the local defense stuff that is right in our backyard. But we are partnering with national contracting companies local GCs that are building municipal facilities, fire departments, hospitals, dental offices, doing these build outs. And we're even doing a a regional distribution facility for a large grocery chain right now. And that is kind of where we are pushing more of those types of longstanding relationships with these larger companies that we provide enough value to them because we're experts in our field. They don't know why they need an ADA sign at a stairwell. They don't understand all these specific insulation guidelines and why we need to have permits on a state highway for a stop. So they don't understand all of these things. And that's where we bring our level of expertise and we don't expect them to give us all the answers and we help them. And we have kind of really started to carve out a niche and build these relationships with these companies where they don't even try to interpret or make sense of these drawings or these plans <laughs> or these things that that they are given, <laughs> they send it straight to us and they're like, Hey, we got this job coming up. It's this big project. Can y'all just make sense of it? Tell us exactly what we need to do and give us a bit. And that's perfect. That's the spot you want to be in. You want to be the guy. Well, and we have it. We literally, and Scott talked about whiteboarding. We sat at a whiteboard probably almost four years ago and we figured out who our ideal customer wanted to be. We wrote it out right down to the smallest detail who we wanted our ideal customer to be and what we wanted them to look like. Well, we also mapped out what we wanted to be as a company. And one of the things we wrote down four years ago is that we wanted to be the authority in our region for these guys to reach out to help them. And slowly but surely, working on where we wanted to be every single day over the last four years, we now are in that position where these larger companies are calling us and being like, please help us. Because we don't know what this means. We don't know what this is. And we, we talked about that. It, 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 we have a group chat, but we just built a sign for a, a, a animal shelter for our county. And they literally, they came to us and said, we want a sign kind of like the sign you did over here. Well, it turned out into where our graphic artists trademarked their logo because they didn't have one. And there was no questions asked. They wanted the sign. They knew we could produce it and we did it. And they were, it, everybody was happy. They didn't have to do anything, didn't have to worry about anything. And that's what Mike said. So we want the architects, the GCs, the municipalities to come to us, or at least say, you should go to Hilltop and figure out what it is you want and what it is. At an early stage. At an early stage, early stage in the process. That's great. Yeah. Guys, super incredible story. I would have either pulled all my hair out and it's kind of long at this point, or (laughs) I just would have gave up at that point after going through everything that you guys have been through. I appreciate you guys joining us on the podcast. Uh, Peter, any closing thoughts or questions before we wrap this one up? No, this was one of my favorite interviews, guys. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. your stories. Appreciate it. I love that yeah. you both have came into this business from very different perspectives 
from one background to just venturing into the business through your family. It's a great story. I was telling Bryant before we got on here, I think that this is going to be one of our better interviews and it sure was. So thank you so much for being here and sharing that with you guys. I look forward to hearing about your success and having you guys on another time talking about what you guys are doing going into the new year. So thank you so much. If they're interested in learning more about Hilltop, where can they find you guys online? So hilltopsignsmd.com is... Our website, we're also on all of our social media channels. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those are really good avenues to get a hold of us. Or if anybody has any comments, questions, concerns, we do have a general email inbox, which is sales at hilltopsignsmd.com. Excellent. We'll make sure we add those links to the show notes for this one. Guys, a pleasure. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you having us. Thanks, guys. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes and check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening.